When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, to the Winter is Coming Game of Thrones podcast. We are Take the Black, and we're here to talk about that amazing episode, 508, Hard Home. Uh, I am your host. You can find me on Twitter, at house underscore razor, and my co-host, Isis. Isis, introduce yourself to everybody out there. Hey, guys. I'm so excited to talk about this week's episode. It was amazing. I did not live tweet this episode, and that was a foul on me. But you can find me on Twitter at I-J-A-M-E-L-T-O-N, or you can find me on Tumblr as well. And I am super, super, sorry, superhero dash almighty Isis on Tumblr. We're also joined by our third co-host, Luke. How are you doing tonight? I'm pretty good, man. You can find Luke on Twitter at TurnerLuke. Pretty easy, pretty simple. I would ask him to tell you guys, but he's just going to give the same answer every time. So uh, let's get right into it. Um, We had an amazing episode last night. Hands down, in my opinion, the best episode of the season. In fact, I would go ahead and I would say that it's probably top five best episodes of the series so far, in my opinion. Uh, Luke, what, what was your first thoughts on the complete entire episode last night? It started off with a bang and then just like kept delivering. And then all of a sudden it was over and I was a little sad inside. Not going to lie. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I found myself standing at, for the last 15 minutes of the show, like standing, pacing back and forth, like, Yelling at John to run to get to the boat and telling them to, why are you not rowing? Why are you not rowing? Uh, and screaming and yelling at the TV. That 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 was probably, in my mind, some of the most tense moments I've seen on Game of Thrones. And that's that's part because um, that I was watching. I guess maybe the lat the second part of it, like the whatever, when they do the inside the episode thing. And this is something mm-hmm. that hasn't happened in the books yet. Is that right? No. No, this is – was compl- well, we didn't – Hard Home happened, but John never goes to Hard Home, so we don't see what happens at Hard Home. We don't know what happens. All we, all we, all we know of Hard Home is a letter that was written to John by somebody from there, and it says, dead things in the woods, dead things in the waters. And that's all we know. So, yeah, this was something com- a complete shock to us. But yeah, it was it was just one of those episodes that just I mean, it 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 gripped me from the beginning 
with Tyrion and Danny all the way to the end with the Night's King. Isis, what were your feelings on the episode? The the episode came in in waves. I mean, it really did, and it was just like it kept on coming and coming and coming and built. Uh, <laughs> that sounded really bad, but anyway, it was really really amazing. That's what happens I, when I you take like the black. <laughs> This is exactly what happened. <laughs> so I felt like this was an amazing episode, start to finish, was one of the best top five episodes. I don't know how the last two episodes are going to be able to top this. I don't think they will. Um, just amazing. I can't tell you just, you know, one point of like, hey, this was, you know, uh, th- this is the best part of the episode. The entire episode was amazing. I mean, it was just start to finish, well done. You know, watching Jon Snow and those those locks of, of his hair, you know, kind of floating in the wind uh, and, oh. and doing that and doing that like mean mug and I like fuck between him and the White Walker was amazing. Amazing. Uh, so it was a cool great scene. way to end the episode. Yeah, it was very exciting. It was. Uh, I mean, it was. It was amazing. But now, like, let's 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 start the let's start where the episode started, where we had Tyrion and Jorah standing in front of Danny, and is Luke is 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 Jorah just cursed to forever be in the friend zone? Like, this is worse than the friend zone. He got kicked out again. Like, they they kicked him out of the city again. This is getting this is getting bad. How bad did you feel for Jorah in this episode? I I felt kind of bad for him um, because the guy cannot catch a break, man. Like it's just like one thing after another. He's got the, he's got those that bad herpes, whatever it is, on his arm <laughs> that he's not going to be able to get rid of. And, Western herpes. Yeah, it, man, that guy that guy's just out of luck. And what's hilarious is, like, he's still alive, and I feel the most bad for him. You know, he could be – he could have died savagely already, but for some reason, George R. R. Martin has been dragging him along and just torturing him, and then he'll die savagely in the fighting pits. So this guy's life pretty much sucks. But you Well, know, yeah. Go ahead. I'm go sorry. ahead. No, go ahead. I just what were you, what were well, you going to say? I, I was going to say that, you know, it looked like – you know, Tyrion was throwing him a bone by saving him. You know, he was like, he was like, okay, you save me. I'm going to save you. And I almost feel like it would have been better off if Jorah just would have been killed right then and there than to have him still lingering and being on the outside. You know, it's, it's almost worse than death being alive and being on the outside and not being able to help uh, Danny. Um, So I think that, you know, Tyrion thought he was doing him a solid when in all actuality, um, you know, he just, he's making, he's kind of torturing this guy. Well, Tyrion, Tyrion did say, I mean, Tyrion did sell him down the river at the end. He said, you can't have him by your side. Oh yes, in Westeros. Well, I don't so, think I mean, it that was, was kind of. A, I don't think it was selling him down the river, though. Did you? Yeah, I, that's how I interpreted it. I mean, like he could have said, "You need a guy like Jorah Mormon. He comes from a very honorable house in the North. He'll help you unite the North under the Starks, and you'll get support that way." He could have done it a number of ways instead of just saying. You can't have this guy stand beside you in Westeros. I mean, that was yeah. kind of a dick move, I thought. No, see, I, I viewed it as the other way because um, she started – I mean, I, I viewed it as sort of like a negotiating point. He has to do two things during this conversation. One, 
Tyrion has to make sure that he doesn't get killed. He has to mm-hmm. prove himself worthy somehow. And two, he also has to try to make sure that um, um, Jorah doesn't get killed either. And she was about she was getting ready to kill them both because she was like, I right. should just execute you. I should also execute you because I've promised that I would. So I think he had to walk a fine line there and be like, listen, I'm not just sitting here kissing your ass. I'm going to actually give you, you know, legitimate advice. And then he was able to come out with a victory for both of them. They're both still alive. I just I, I just feel like at this point, Danny needs to get over herself and forgive Jorah and just allow him to be back. Like, she, obviously, she can't trust the guy she feels because he she found out he was working with Varys, but Varys sent Tyrion. So it's kind of like what where's the where does the double standard stop here for Tyrion and Jorah? And the fact that Tyrion's family is is the reason that Danny's family is all but extinct. Uh, you know, I don't understand well, how she can forgive one and not the other. Well, no, 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 no. Hold on a second. See, that's where you, you know, that's where you kind of, um, you're going to lose me because she, I don't think she trusts Tyrion. She just met the man. I don't think she trusts him, but she's going to see how this works out. And at any moment, she emotionally can kill Tyrion without any strings attached. At the same time, you know, Tyrion wasn't the person who killed her, her father. It was Tyrion's brother, <laughs> actually, that killed the Mad King. Uh, so how can you go ahead and wrong, you know, at the at the behest of um, of his dad? Um, right. You know, how can you go ahead and you know say that you're the queen of the people and you're not here to you know enslave other people when you're willing to go and kill somebody for something that they didn't have any desire or choice choice to do, which was killing her family, you know, uh, her dad or, or, you know, the mad King. So, uh, so I will disagree with you there. And I will disagree with you that I don't think that she trusts him right now. Uh, but you can't, you know, you can still go ahead and take advice from somebody, whether you take it or not is up to you. I don't know. I don't, I don't know if she completely trusts him, but she definitely likes him. I mean, she showed that she showed us, she, well, she showed that soft spot for him by taking the wine out of his hands, like that little joke where you have to be coherent, you know, I have to be able to understand what you're saying. Like, mm-hmm. I think, she, and like she sat back, she was completely relaxed with him, they were talking. And by the way, I don't think I've enjoyed a back and forth more than I have with Danny and Tyrion. I, I enjoy it when Varys and Tyrion talk back and forth to each other, that's always fun. And maybe Littlefinger and Lady Olena, but... Man, Tyrion and Danny is like a that should have been a space time continuum shattering event. <laughs> and you know, that hasn't I got happened. Chills, in, man. It was awesome. It was really cool. I, I got chills. It was like the merging of these two actors. And I had been talking hyping this this moment where they were gonna come together for the past what, I don't know, four episodes, four podcasts, that this mm-hmm. was going to be cataclysmic. This was this was gonna be an amazing meetup. And it freaking delivered like nobody's business. Like I got chills, especially at the end of uh, of uh, Danny's speech. Oh man, I was like, break the wheel. Yes, I was... we finally we finally got the break the wheel speech, which uh, is pr- pretty cool. That that was in, that was in the trailer, the very first trailer we ever saw for this season. And who would who would have thought she was telling that Tyrion the whole time? That was pretty cool. Uh, so the you know the Danny Tyrion thing, um, while it was cool, 
this episode had to focus more on hard home, so they had to get a lot of the other stuff out of the way first. So we had Tyrion and Danny; they got that out of the way, and that was really cool and interesting and fun. And it's set up for for next episode. We're gonna see um, Daznax Pit, the games, the Gladiator games, and it's gonna be amazing. Ser Jorah is gonna be fighting his way back, hopefully to his queen's good graces. He thinks. I don't know what's gonna happen there, but um, we we also. We also saw Our King's episode. Landing. Oh, okay. King's Landing and Cersei licking water off the cell floor. Oh my god. Like if it wasn't satisfying enough to watch her to watch her uh be thrown into a cell, Luke, how satisfying was it to watch her lap water off the floor? It was um I I'm gonna sound a little sadistic, but yeah, it was pretty amazing. <laughs> um, I I was like tempted to rewind it just to watch it again <laughs> because she's getting everything that she deserved. I have expected her to like grab that spoon and like stab that linebacker in the chest um, <laughs> with it, but <clears throat> um, no, I'm glad she's getting she's getting a little punishment. It, uh, it it'll do her some good. That's almost and it's it's almost breaking it down exactly how it does it in the book. She has three septas that that guard her day and night, and every time she closes her eyes to, to go to sleep because she's so tired, they walk into her cell and they wake her up and ask her if she's ready to confess her sins yet. And so like for like this goes on for days and days and days, and they don't let her sleep. So she's sleep deprived. She's not eating. She's freezing because in the cell it's really cold. And uh, she, all she has is that rough, spun, like, uh, sackcloth dress to wear. And at first, she won't even wear it. At first, they take her dress, and she won't even put any clothes on because she's trying to be all defiant and everything. But, uh, yeah, that that I'm glad that she – Septa Unella, I, I believe is her name, was hitting her with that spoon. <laughs> yeah, that <clears throat> I, I, liked, uh, I liked a lot. I, I can't decide, though, if I want – if I want her to die this way, though, you know, like if if she can if they torture her and then she confesses and then they execute her. Like, I don't know if I want her to die that way. I kind of want her to. I kind of what I kind of want to happen is when uh, Theon <laughs> escaped from the Boltons and it ended up yeah. being a huge ploy by the Boltons to put him back <laughs> to where he <laughs> to where he was. So I wanted to like escape and then come back around and then it's like, oh no no no, actually you're back in your cell. Uh. Have have all that hope just like be crushed, you know? Yeah. I don't know. We'll yeah. see. No, yeah, um Isis what did you think about Kyburn paying the visit to, to Cersei, and did you pick up on anything that he said to her? Was there anything interesting about the conversation he had with her? Well, I mean, I guess the only thing that I found interesting was that um, they were calling back um, her uncle, uh, uh-huh. that and the one that she sent off, like, what, episode two or something like yeah, that? Yeah, Uncle Kevin, yeah. her, her father's brother. Yeah, and she, like, she thinks he's an idiot or whatever, and, and uh, mm-hmm. but I think it's it's basically, you know, you have made your bed, the only way you, you're going to get out of this is uh, is by going ahead and confessing, you know, and I understand, and, and it was so funny, too, because, like, she was just like, what about my son? What about Jamie? You know, basically the only two people that really, really care about her um, 
are those two. And I just I found it interesting that she is alone. She has nobody. And she has brought this upon herself because she had made the High Sparrow such a big deal thinking that, oh, well, I'm untouchable. No one's going to do yeah, anything. Yeah, she armed him. Yes. It's her fault. And so I think it's absolutely wonderful that she is getting uh, what she's getting right now. That that priestess man, I I adore her. I would I would kiss her feet right now because when she was popping her <laughs> with that spoon, I was like, yes, hit her harder, hit her harder. Yeah, no, that was awesome. But what I what I'm, I guess I don't know if you guys caught this or not, but uh, I was I was interested to hear what you guys as being unsullied, if you caught it or not. Kyburn told her when he when he got close to her to tell her he said. The work continues. Did you guys catch that part? I did not no, catch that. I didn't hear it, no. So oh, yeah, he's, he's talking about the mountain? He's talking about the mountain. Uh, this is going to be a huge – and I'm, again, I'm not going to spoil anything for anybody, but we already know that he's working on the mountain. He, he, started, he started working on the mountain, mountain at the end of last season. We've seen uh, – Franken Franken Mountain jump around under the, under, the, under the sheets already once this uh, season, and he tells Cersei the work continues while she's in her cell. So um, it's my belief that he's given her hope for something. And uh, well, as as an unsullied, that was completely oblivious to me because we've only seen the what the Franken Mountain like what yeah. twice and and yeah. very like passing that was completely oblivious to me i would have never connected the two if that's what, what, the case that they're doing is connecting those two i i oh, they definitely are they're definitely connecting it and i that's that's what i wanted to find out if you guys even picked up on nope, it or not i would never have put two and two together wow okay well that's that's very interesting so we we've we've got cersei licking water off the cell floor and she's upset about it and she's disgusted by it and I'm happy I'm happy about it. Sounds like you she guys de- are happy about it. She deserves it. a hell of a lot more though. We finally got to see Arya in her new clothes uh this episode. So weird. So, so weird. So weird seeing her dressed up like a little girl smiling like <laughs> like just sort of like skipping oysters for sale. I was like, what the hell cuckles. is this? Yeah, cuckles. Cuckles. Voice does. I was like, what the hell is yeah. going on? No, it's so weird, man. But here's something I don't understand. Maybe it's a little bit of the book purist coming out of me. Um, that – what she's doing when she's push, pushing that barrel around full of seafood, she goes by the name Cat of the Canals. Well, they changed her name for some reason to Laura? Larna? Lana of the Canal or whatever, and it was like – why why make that change? There was a cool little nod to book readers though is as she's telling the faceless man about her day and it's flashing back and she's pushing the wheelbarrow down the street, that little black cat runs out in front of her. So that was kind of like, Oh look, there's cat of the canals. So that was a nice little nod to the book readers, but for some reason they changed her name. So but we've got Arya who's sizing up her mission. Uh Isis, did you pick up what's gonna be Arya's next mission? Well, I I think it's exacting justice um, upon this this basically guy who is an uh, you know an insurance salesman who is mm-hmm. pretty mm-hmm. shitty, so who's not paying out to the widows. Uh, right. So I I think it's uh, exacting. Uh, some type of revenge, or I should say, not that the gods are are basically kind of evening evening the tables out, and uh, and I'm all for it. I'm I'm with the faceless people. I'm I'm good. 
This is this is a storyline I'm enjoying right now. Luke, I would say I would say the the mini face god is about revenge, wouldn't you? Well, what do you think? Uh, um, well, maybe revenge, maybe justice. Justice um, is a better word. Yeah. I like that. Okay, justice. But more in a but but yeah, but definitely more in a we we're going to go like eye for an eye type of a thing, not um Right. Yeah. So yeah, I guess it has more of a revenge revengey killy aspect to it. Um but yeah, I feel bad for uh, the guy who's in charge of Bravos Insurance and Casualty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, in the books he does a thing where he bites the coins to make sure they're real, and I kept – I was like – I was talking to the TV last night. I was like – you know, I, I had these real bad headaches yesterday, so I got up right before Game of Thrones, and I was laying on the couch watching it, and everything was quiet in here, and I was like, bite the coin! <laughs> Scared the shit out of my wife, but uh, yeah, he didn't bite the coin like he does in the books, but it is the same guy, and I'm excited to see what happens to him. Uh, this seems to be Arya's first – Mission as a faceless person. I wonder if um, she's going to take on a completely different face, or if she's going to just take on d- different clothes and be dressed up how she is now. I mean, she definitely looks different to me. She looked taller. Did she look taller to you guys? No, no. Mm-hmm. To me, she looked taller. Like she looked like she was an adult compared to what she was. At the beginning of the season. Maybe it's because she's not as dirty as she used to be. I don't know. <laughs> she's not she's not a well, filthy you, urchin. You gotta figure the the camera angles and stuff like that that we've seen her all season have been uh like her crouching down scrubbing stuff or standing next to the um um sexy Jesus. Um, or you know what I mean? It's all been like up closer. We haven't really had any perspective shots of her necessarily outside, so maybe maybe that's what it is. And I love sexy Jesus. Now I'm going to tell you who I don't like is that little haterator girl who's hating on the waif. Yeah, what is up with her? Like she is she is so jealous. It is not funny. Like I just want to be like, why are you hating on her on her I'm, style? I mean, what's up? I'm not digging the way they're making the waif out. Because in the books, she she's Arya's friend. She becomes Arya's friend, and they play that line game all the time with each other. I mean, and like she makes Arya like a badass because she teaches her to speak Bravosi and High Valyrian, and and she teaches her how to change her face, and she teaches her to lie. And so, like, you keep wondering why is she such a bitch in the show? <laughs> well, I don't know if they're going to be become BFF like they're going to have to have it out like a like an all out like fight out, you know, kind of thing. Yeah. And then they become friends, you know, cuz that's that's how sometimes teenage girls act, like they hate each other and then they after they fight, they become friends or something. Anyway, that's the thing though. The waif is like 30 years old. Oh, really? She looks like so young. Oh. She is. Okay, okay. This is not a spoiler because we've already gone past this point. The waif really was poison. She took poison, and it was this poison that made, stunted her growth. So she looks forever young, but she's like in her 30s. Um. Yeah. It's, it's okay. Freaky. Well, I did not know. It, I didn't know that. I just assumed that they were both teenage girls, you know, kind of thing. Yeah, no, yeah, to to the show watchers, to you guys, Unsullied, yeah, she just she looks like another, you know, like a another pretty Arya. little liar. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just another Arya, maybe. Another Arya, yeah. exactly. But no, I I didn't get that at all that she was she was supposed to be older, uh, you know, because that's in the books. But man, I I really hope that either look two things are going to happen: either they're going to become BFFs 
or or Arya's going to stick her with a pointy end. One of those two is going to happen. I'm just saying. I kind of I kind of feel like sexy Jesus is going to throw needle in the middle of the room and say, "A man must fight it out. A girl must fight it out. <laughs> Finish her." <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, so. We've got we've we've talked about King's Landing, we've talked about Bravos, we've talked about Marine. Um, what else are we are we missing? We didn't have any other storylines. Yes, we did. We had Winterfell. We had Winterfell. Yes, that's right. We had uh, we had we had Sansa, and we had Theon, and Sansa finds out that her brothers really are not dead. Luke, does this change anything for our little dove? Does it make her fight harder, or do you think – I mean, what, is, what, is, what does this revelation hold for her? I don't care. You don't care? <laughs> like, I, I, her storyline is just it, – it may be the way that they're doing it, but I, I don't care what happens to her, like, at all. Um, I, I hope that um, Stannis comes in and, and wrecks – all of the uh, Bolton dicks that are down there, but if Sansa dies in the meantime, it doesn't matter to me. Isis, I know you care because first of all, Brienne's around there somewhere. She is. You know what? I'm not gonna even talk about Brienne and Pod because they weren't even in the episode. We're not gonna even talk about them. <laughs> Love you, Brienne. Okay, so uh, yeah, I thought this was really interesting because I really enjoyed the fact that Sansa confronted Reek about turning her in basically and getting that old woman killed. Um, and then Reek was able to explain to her that what he was doing was trying to save her because he could, cause he tried to run because he tried to leave and they caught him and they tortured him and they cut him into little bits and stuff like that. And, you know, she has that line where she says, Oh, I, I'm glad they, they did it. I would have done, I wish I could have done it myself, blah, 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 or whatever. Um, yep. but the moment that she tells, uh, that Reek tells her that her brothers are still alive, that he could not kill her brothers, um, was, the realization that she is not alone. Now she did know that Jon Snow, her brother, her like half brother, whatever, um, was alive and that he was the, the night's, he's the night's watch at the, at the wall, but she knows that he's not going to be able to leave. He's not going to be able to save her. But the fact that she has more family out there that, you know, that gives you kind of, and in my opinion, the will to live, the will to fight, to, to keep on, you know, that there's something out there um, that loves you and, and, and that possibly needs you. So um, I thought, I felt like that was like a light for her, a, you know, where everything looked dark. There was a light there now um, that there was somebody out there. So I really, impre- uh, you know, appreciated that uh, dialogue. It was very, very short, but I felt like it was, it meant a lot because it, it showed Sansa, this is why I did it. I did it because they've done it to me, and I know what happens. Well, yeah, and this is the first time that Theon, since he became Reek, has referred to himself. Like he said, "I, mm-hmm. I betrayed, I betrayed Rob." Because, like, he started to confess his sins to Sansa. Like, even though he didn't kill her, her brothers, he did kill two Miller's boys, burn them to a crisp. I know. And and then he says, I betrayed I, – I, I sacked Winterfell, and I betrayed Rob. And when he said that, it was like he said – he used the word I. 
and he and he referred to himself instead of Reek. And I think this kind of was a uh, break, an, another breakthrough moment for Theon because, and I know people won't won't naturally agree with me because it's not it's not a popular opinion, but it's just the truth, folks. This is ultimately about Theon's redemption from the guy who turned his back on the Starks and helped to bring them down in a certain way uh, to the guy who could be who could you know he could rescue Sansa from Winterfell. He has the potential to do that uh, by either helping her escape by getting out of Winterfell and taking her to, to Stannis, or maybe he's he's going to kill. Um, Ramsey, we don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. We're in uncharted territory here. But um, Sansa has her own power now. She has that Chekhov's barrel auger <laughs> that she picked up last up two episodes ago. Uh, so she's got that. She can save herself. But I think this ultimately is about Theon's redemption. And maybe he, maybe through Sansa he can be redeemed before he goes out in a blaze of glory, maybe something. Like I agree. That. I mean, it it was kind of like when he was talking to Sansa, it was like he was, you know, he was a- asking for kind of some absolution of like, these are the reasons why I did this, you know. And I don't want to say that he wanted, you know, for her to absolve him of his sins, but it, but by, you know, being able to admit that they're his, not Reek's, but his his sins um i felt that that was absolutely you know wonderful i mean i know that and i agree with you i think reek uh kind of um redeeming himself is a very unpopular uh storyline as far as people are concerned but i mean at the end of the day you know he he does he is repentful for what he did and um and just because you go ahead and you absolve somebody of what they have done does not mean that they get off scot-free. That's true. That does true. not mean that. That just means that you, you can go ahead and forgive them, but that does not absolve them of, of the sins that they've – or I should say that it doesn't you – know, you, you can forgive them, but you, you won't forget um, right. So I, I'm, I'm really okay with it. I thought it was very interesting that um, – uh, Ramsey Bolton, man, that guy has the biggest pair of testicles. I don't know if one, he is really just that freaking like militarily smart, or he is just fucking nuts. Well, this is a guy who fought off an entire invasion of Ironborn shirtless. Yeah. Uh, last season. So, I mean, he's just crazy. He's batshit crazy is what he is. And, uh, this is I'm I'm really nervous for what's going to happen next episode with Ramsey and Stannis because uh, we've seen the tr- we've seen the preview for next week. We had Ramsey tell his dad he's going to take about 20 men and, and go out and attack attack Stannis. We've seen the trailer for next week and it's at nighttime and the camp's on fire. So I'm really nervous about what's going to happen. I don't know. I have no idea. I am completely in the dark. I'm I'm unsullied with you guys for next episode. What kind of like I was this episode with Hard Home. Um, let's just get right into it, man. Like Luke, I want your thoughts um, on the entire Hard Home a- area. Like, were you excited to see a giant again? Uh, what do you think about the Wildling leaders? And what about Rattleshirt getting killed right off the bat? <laughs> Wait, 
Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. When he was like, uh, when he killed the um, the, the Lord of Bones. Lord of Bones. Yeah, that was pretty awesome. I was, it was. Um, I don't know. I well, at first I was confused at how they got there by boat. Like, where where are they that you can get to where the wildlings are by boat? Like, isn't there supposed to be some gigantic ice wall that keeps them from the south? Well, there's um. At the at the very end of of one part of the wall is called East Watch by the Sea, and they took they they took the road from Castle Black or not really a road so per se they took the path from Castle Black to East Watch by the Sea. They boarded Stannis's ships that were docked there and sailed them over to Hardhome. Hardhome is a an inlet bay where uh, it used to be a, a thriving town and it's been abandoned for some time now. Some kind of volcanic event happened there, uh, okay. so like it, the town's been destroyed. But it's on—it's actually on the Shivering Sea, I believe, was what it's called. So that's how they were able to sail there. I gotcha. Okay, but yeah, that that whole scene was awesome. Um, I I was um, a little disappointed when Ygritte Number Two. Oh, you asshole. You fucking asshole. I knew you were going to say that. I knew you were going to say that. Damn it. Because she was. Well, I kind of liked her, and she was less annoying. Uh, She had less less annoying uh, accent and all. And I was kind of like, okay, this chick is pretty cool. And then it was like, oh, zombie children, let me just lay down here and let them murder me. Uh, By the way, I, I never need to sleep again after that. Like. Just, just forget. Fuck sleeping for the next couple of months. Because every time I close my eyes, all I can see is like Skeleton those kids. those little kids. Yeah, yeah, like, and they're still out there because she was too much of a puss to kill them. Yeah, she was killing all these gigantic zombies and all these, and these aren't slow lumbering zombies either. These are like, you know, World War Dawn Z. of the Dead. They're, they're like, like World War Z zombies, man. World War Z zombies, yeah. World War Z. They were attacking that that pallet, the, the the wall in there, and they were just taking everything down and punching holes in it and shit. Dude, the ones like, that jumped off of the cliff. That <laughs> oh my God. I was losing my shit. I was like, oh my god, because <laughs> they just like jumped off, just just diving off of the like like limb oh, yeah. or something, you know? Dude, oh yeah. The like, entire time I'm watching that, I'm like, this is like World War Z. I was like, how did Game of Thrones just create the best zombie show in like the last 20 minutes better than the freaking zombie show that they have on AMC? I'm like, how did this fucking? <laughs> I was like, how did this fucking happen on on Game of Thrones that they've you know how they did it? Let me tell you how they did it. And let me break it down for you from my perspective because I've been looking forward to this since before the season started. I found, uh, you know, for, when you write for Winter is Coming, the number one Game of Thrones fan website on the internet, by the way. Uh, when you write for Winter is Coming, you tend to get leaks and people send you uh, send you emails and stuff that say, hey, I was I was an extra on set. I knew this was coming, guys, and I couldn't tell you guys about it, but I knew this was coming. And I knew that we were going to have the Night's King show up. I knew we were going to have uh, a bunch, a shit ton of zombies turn in and, like, go crazy. I still was not prepared for this. And um, you guys know, yesterday I was I, – all weekend long, I, I had to go to the hospital for testing, and I had a headache all day Sunday. But then I'm, I'm laying on the couch, 
And usually I live tweet for when you're coming, but I couldn't even do that yesterday because I couldn't even look at the computer screen without getting sick. So I'm laying on the couch with a cold rag on my head, and I'm watching this happen. And as soon as the dogs start barking, I, I sat straight up and went, oh, fuck. <laughs> Here it comes. And then Jon Snow looks up, and the mist is coming off the mountain. And that thin, that that thin guy's like, close the gates, close the gates, and you just see people flying up in the air in the background. Oh my god! Like I nearly, I, I think I did. I peed a little. I peed a little I bit. Peed a little. <laughs> well, I I love the entire that whole portion of the episode was done absolutely wonderful. I liked uh, the guy beating up that the bones person or whatever. I was like, Lord of bones. Yeah, I was like, oh, he's my second favorite ginger that I you know that I've ever seen. So I was like, okay, this is cool. And uh, and then when and I'm gonna say what freaking Luke said, you grit number two. I'm gonna tell you. <laughs> I I cared more about her, and this is going to sound bad. I've cared about her more in the in that twenty minutes that we got of her, or what fifteen minutes of that we got of her, than I have of Sansa. Yes, I knew you were going to say that. Love it. I yes. I'm going to say it. I'm giving you high fives right now. By the I'm way, I'm going <laughs> to say that, and 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 I know I'm going to get. I may get some hate mail. Uh, you can you can post it on Twitter at I-J-A-M-E-L-2-N. And, uh, and, you know, I was just like, I'm like, I really love this girl. Like, you know, she's, she's smart. Cared I cared about her. She was smart. Um, you know, she was sympathetic. You know, she was everything that I want in a female, you know, character. Like, she was strong, but she cared about her children. She was still, you know, had her femininity. Uh, it was just amazing. I loved her. I loved her. I loved her. So I knew instantly something bad was going to happen to her, especially after she had put her kids in the boat. I was like, shit, it is <laughs> the, fatal, the fatal flaw. You go ahead. I'll be right behind you. Yeah. yeah that's, like, that's, that's, the, that's the Titanic moment. Yeah. You know, like, Go ahead and get in the boat. I'll be right there. Yeah. No, you won't. No, I, You're going to get stuck down the hole and drown. I knew. I knew then. And then when the kids got there and she put her hands across her herself, oh. like my heart sank because she couldn't kill the children. They were probably children that she may have known um, that lived in that village because you can Maybe. tell that she cared about the people, the old people, the children. She cared about the people that lived there and she was more, you know, worried about getting them on the boats. So I'm going to tell you, when she did that, I kind of understood. I know that you guys are like, oh, that's bullshit. You know, why'd you just roll over like that? No, I got it because well, she had yeah, you're point. right. She was a sympathetic person. Yeah. She did care about people. And that's probably why she folded up whenever she saw the little kids. She, you're probably right. She probably knew them. And, and, you know, and I think, you know, we all have a line where we're not willing to cross. And that was her line. I mean, that, you know, when she looked at them, they were they were dead. They were dead children. But they were children nonetheless. And that was just something that she couldn't do. So, yes, now she's a freaking, uh, you know, walking dead person and everything. Um, I, I really enjoyed everything up until when the giant, like, walked in the water and, like, didn't even push the boat. For, like, <laughs> I'm like, one one. I was like, one one. Why aren't you towing the boat with you? His name was one one, uh, by the way. Okay. Well, I didn't know that. And I'm like, the whole time I'm sitting there like, dude. Like, can you give him a shove? Can you, can you just kind of like, I don't know anything. Um, it just seemed What really a dick weird. move by one one. I know it was. I was like, what a fucking asshole. Okay. Well, the thing is, 
here's here's the reason I love that so much. By the way, is he's a one one is a very important character to Jon Snow's arc this season. And I didn't know that we were going to have one one. I thought we might have a giant. Uh, I saw some concept art that showed a giant at Hardhome, but I had not. I I hadn't seen any, I hadn't seen anything that they had casting for it. But there he was, and they named him one one, which is very big. And Tormund talked to him, which was awesome. One one run. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, but uh. What, the 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 quote of the night has to go to Ygritte number two, where she goes, "I fucking hate thins." I know. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, that was so awesome. Because she was just but, saying everything that we were thinking. You know what I mean? When Ed, when Ed Dolores Ed Ed Tolette goes up to the giant because he's sharpening that dagger, and he looks up to him and he's like, "Oh," and the giant basically one one told him to go fuck himself, didn't he? He's like, yeah. oh. <laughs> yeah, he said, what the fuck are you looking at? Yeah, what the fuck are you looking at? <laughs> oh my god, that was so amazing. But um, that, yeah. Did did it annoy anyone else that the room uh, that had the, uh, well, no, I guess it make, I guess it, they're zombies, so the, the dragon glass wouldn't, wouldn't have done much. Never mind. Huh. Ignore me. Well, yeah, the the dragon glass only works on the White Walkers. The zombies, it doesn't do anything to. Well, okay, so now, now that we are on this point, I was under the impression that the only thing that can kill a White Walker was dragon glass. And then Jon Snow literally smashed that fucking theory. Yeah, okay, now, you notice that in the previously on Game of Thrones, they showed Longclaw, they showed... The old bear giving John his sword, Longclaw. Um, that sword is made of Valyrian steel. Valyrian steel comes from old Valyria, where dragons are from. Um, and there are all Valyrian steel swords are very rare in Westeros. Not all, not all of, of the noble houses have a Valyrian steel blade. Um, Eddard Stark sword, his his sword, ice. Mm-hmm. That that was a Valyrian steel blade. Now it got melted down to two blades, one that Jamie carries and one that Brienne carries. Uh, so um, there's not a lot. Uh, Sam's dad, Sam's dad, who, by the way, they, they, they're casting. They're cast calling him for next season. Samuel Tarley's dad has a Valyrian steel blade called Heartsbane. Um, they're just very rare. Not a lot of people have them. So um, they're called in, – in the books – Sam and John are reading, and they're trying to figure out how to kill White Walkers, and he comes across uh, an account that says dragon steel blades can kill a White Walker as long, and obsidian. So dragon glass and dragon steel. So everybody, all the book readers, this has been a big discussion, like, is dragon steel Valyrian steel? We didn't know for sure, but it was answered last night, yeah. So Valyrian steel swords can kill White Walkers. So was that something that had already been answered in the book? Because that's been a no, debate. No, it was, it was not answered uh, in the book. Okay, so basically, I, I mean, I'm assuming that they must have had – they must have gotten approval from uh, from the writer, uh, Martin, to, to be well, able to kind of, I mean, spoil that for everybody because that hasn't been spoiled yet, essentially. You know, that hasn't been written in the books yet. There's a – there's listen, we're already into some spoilers for Winds of Winter. We, like – we didn't 
yeah, there's going to be some things that are going to happen in the next two episodes that even the book readers don't know is going to happen. So, so. if you don't mind me asking, um, you know, for everybody else who are unsullied like, like myself and Luke, how many people have some Valyrian swords? And we know that Jamie does. We know that Brienne does. Okay. We know that Sam's dad does. We know that um, Jon Snow has one. Who else has a Valyrian sword? That um, we don't, I mean, that we may have missed or, or something like that without there, spoiling there, anything. <laughs> there are, are a, a couple of Targaryen Valyrian steel swords out there, but um, only in the books, and they're over in Esso somewhere. One's called Wicked Sister, maybe, or maybe maybe it's called Blackfire, I'm pretty sure. Anyway, there's a couple of those that are probably over where Danny is. And she hasn't found them. House Lannister had a Valyrian steel sword called Bright Roar, and it was lost in Old Valyria when one of the when one of uh, Tyrion's uncles decided to sail across the, the Narrow Sea to explore. He lost their sword. Um, let me think. I'm trying to think of who else. Man, this is gonna kill me. I'm, I'm racking my brain. Um, did not many people have them? Uh, do you remember that dagger? That cut Cat- Catelyn's fingers in the first season. Whenever that guy tried to kill Bran, that was a Valyrian steel dagger. Hmm. Um, the thing about Valyrian steel is it never needs to be sharpened. It always has an edge, um, and it's stronger than any any metal out there. And it's the Valyrians wove the wove the steel with magic. They put spells into it. That's why it's magical. So. I'll have to, you know what? That's a good question. I need to look it up and find out how many houses have a Valyrian steel blade that I'm not thinking of right now. I'm sure if we weren't having a podcast, I probably could answer it, but put me on the spot. (laughs) Well, I mean, I uh, I just think that's interesting to find out that now that we know that here the White Walkers are coming, you know, how many swords can they gather to go ahead and, you know, wreck these these White Walkers' dicks? So. Uh, I <laughs> literally shatter their dicks. Yes, and so I'm I'm really interested in that. I love the fact that Jon Snow, like when they were when when the White Walker came down with his weapon or whatever to go ahead and kill Jon Snow, and Jon Snow's both their faces, like the both of their faces was like like the the White Walker was like oh shit, and then like Jon yeah. Snow was like oh shit. And then it was just like it was so awesome. It was it was one of the highlights of. I think I laughed at one point because I thought it was just so comedic how it happened. So when that happened, you noticed the Night's King, which is the king of the White Walkers, was watching this all go down. Oh, like he was watching yes. it, and he took note that Jon Snow had a sword that killed one of his lieutenants because that that guy was one of his lieutenants. I was a White Walker guy. Um, so like. And I'm going to ask you both this. And we got to we got to close the podcast out here pretty soon. But I want to ask you both this: What the final moments? Let me give you my opinion on the final moments. John and his group are in the boat. Like that was so intense. And we saw Ygritte too go down. And um, we just didn't like. It was sad because like Tormund had tears in his eyes, and John's standing in the boat, and he's and he's watching the Night's King walk across the freaking pier and then raise his arms like come at me bro and then he raises all the dead like i had chills go up and down my spine and i was like oh shit like luke what kind like what did you think of that scene like do you think is there any hope for humanity 
It was a little bit of a roller coaster of emotion because you thought at first when they were when all the zombies were coming down and they were killing everybody, you were like, "Oh my god, this is this is terrible!" Like everybody's about to die. And yeah. then when Jon Snow blocks his sword and it doesn't shatter, I was like, "Oh shit!" <laughs> and then just explodes the guy. So then all of a sudden you're like, the tables have turned. Uh, but then it was like, then you still had to run and get on a boat because you can't shatter the zombies like that. So it's, uh, it was, uh, it was a little depressing way to end. It was kind of like you had like for a brief moment there, you were like, oh yeah, that's, this is, this is going to be good. But then, when he raised all of like, when you run into a town, you kill everybody, and then you raise them all from the dead, and now they're all on your side. Yep. It was uh, it was a little disheartening for sure. That was that was like ISIS. That's I'm gonna ask you the same question. Did you feel a pit of despair whenever that happened? Like they've they just got through fighting a battle for their lives. John tries to rescue as many wildlings as he possibly can, and they they took out a great number of zombies. Like, they killed a shit ton of zombies. And for them to be in the boat, and for the Night's King just to raise his arms, and everybody that just got through getting killed sat up. Like, what did you think about that? Was Did you think, like, well, you know, this is over. We might as well just go ahead and call it here. I, over. I really, uh, yeah, I felt like everybody else. I felt like, you know, here we have a chance that, you know, they, they were able to save a lot of people and everything. And they now kind of know that, you know, there's different ways that you can go ahead and kill a White Walker. And But I, at the same time, you have to think that, man, this is a a job that may be, we're we're going to die. We're going to die. We're going to fight, but we're going to die. It may be a fight that we are not going to win. And then at the same time, if you're Jon Snow, if that's the case, what can we do if they the White Walkers do win so that way they don't make more of us into their army? You know what I mean? you got to yeah. be thinking that way. Like, okay, we're going to fight them, and we're going to do the best of our abilities, but at the same time – what can we do so that way we don't become part of the we don't give them more people to their army so you you almost have to be like all right well you know here's our contingency plan if things don't go all all well we we're going to have to burn ourselves or something i don't i don't know well yeah well see here's the thing fire fire will kill the zombies mm-hmm. fire kills them uh dragon dragon glass and valyrian steel we know kills the white walkers I don't know if fire kills the White Walkers, but it does kill the, the Whites, the zombies. Mm-hmm. So you've got th- you've got three contingency plans. So basically, if you're Jon Snow and you know that the Wall was built to keep to guard the realms of men, to keep the realms of men safe from from the the, the White Walkers in the Long Night. So obviously, there's like some kind of spells or some kind of magic woven into the Wall. That keeps the White Walkers on that side of the wall. So if you're John, you're thinking, okay, let's get back to the wall. And we saw the preview for next week. Alistair Thorne is, is either going to be a huge dick and not let him in. <laughs> He's going to be a huge dick. Go ahead. I, I know. I'm, I'm kind of worried about this. Um, but you gotta you got to think, let's get on the other side of the wall. Let's, let's get all the Valyrian steel blades we can find, and let's 
by the way, sorry, Sam. We uh we lost a bag of dragon glass you gave us. <laughs> well, I have I'm to believe. I'm really sorry. Yeah, I'm really sorry. I have to believe if uh, what's his name is gonna be a dick about it. I feel like that one kid that Sam was talking to. What's his name? Joe. Joe. Ollie. 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 Yeah. That Ollie's gonna stick him with a pointy end. He's gonna be like, you know what? I'm gonna have to go ahead and go with with uh, with John here. And if you're gonna be a dick about it, then I'm gonna have to go ahead and just. See, I feel like they're setting Ollie up to hate John. I feel like. Oh, I feel like... yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. I feel that way too. But I feel like if if anybody has who is who can probably maybe get the better of of that guy because he's so unassuming. He's a kid. You know, yeah. and uh, but I don't know. We'll see. We'll have to see what ends up happening. Well, next week we've got the pit, Daznak's pit, where Danny opens up the gladiator games. We know Jorah's going to be there. Tyrion's going to be by her side. He is now the hand of the queen. That's amazing. He was just a, he, he was just being shipped off to the cock merchant, and now he's the hand of the queen. He was so, he was shoving shit through a little hole <laughs> in a crate. Yeah, <laughs> he was literally shoving shit through a hole in a crate. <laughs> Uh, was well, you know, uh, became cock merchant bait, and now is the hand of the queen. So that's really cool. Uh, we're gonna see some big shit go down. Um, in fact, I would have to go ahead and say, if I was guessing, um, if you're listening to this podcast, get your camera phones out and record your reaction next week, this Sunday. Uh, that's all I'm gonna say. Um, so. Um, Luke, give me your final. What, what was your final best moment of this episode before we sign off? What was your favorite, your fa- favorite moment of this entire episode? Well, it was kind of funny because it like it built on itself. So during the battle, when so, all of a sudden, you know, uh, Jon Snow is like, "Oh, wait a minute, Dragonglass," <laughs> and he starts to run towards the uh, towards the hut where they were. Uh-huh. He kills this zombie that's running full speed, and he does like this turning thing and slices oh, the yeah. thing in half, and he just keeps running. I was yep. like, "That's that's the best kill of the night." I was like, "That that's the one. That's my favorite part." And then, by the way, yeah. Interesting side note on what you just said. Um, he there was an article in Entertainment Weekly about that. Um, these producers, when they're going back and they were editing this scene, they they said, "Hey." How can we sped this scene up? Because sometimes they speed up scenes like to make it look like the actor is, is fighting better than they actually are. And the guy was like, we didn't speed this up. Kid Harrington is actually that fast. Dang. He's actually that good, he's actually that good with the sword. So, so not yeah, only is he fast, but he has the most beautiful curly locks I have ever seen <laughs> on a fucking man. <laughs> Since Justin yeah. Timberlake and NSYNC. I'm just saying. So, so Luke's he, favorite. Well, he does he, he does that kill, and then I was like, well, that was the best one. And then one one busts out of the uh, busts out of the freaking hut and stomps one of the zombies. And I was that like, that was my favorite. I was like, that was the best one. And then yeah. and then uh, John Snow gets in the fight, you know, and blocks the thing, and then it shatter, you know, explodes the uh, White Walker. And I was like, holy shit! Like, does this get any better? Are we gonna like? Are we gonna see dragons here in a minute? Because that's the only way this gets better from here. Oh man, I'm telling you right now, my favorite moment had to be one one stepping on on zombies, just just squishing them, stepping on them and throwing them off his back, and then just wading into the water. Like 
all right, guys. Like, they told him to run, and he's sitting there with a big old log, like, was lit on fire, just using it as a bat. And then he gets in the water, and, like, I imagine the guy on the ship, whatever ship he's going to get on, like, going, oh, fuck. How are we going to fit this guy? He's going to capsize us. Oh no, but, you're walking, uh, brother. You're walking. Uh my favorite Isis, your favorite moment. My favorite moment of the night is, is going to be hands down when the zombies came off of the of, of off the cliff and they the lemmings. Yeah, they 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 fell down and then you're just like, "Okay, what now?" And then like freaking World War Z, they just freaking stand up and they just get like Rah! And I was like, oh my god, that, I mean, like, at that, oh, yeah. that moment of when they're just, like, on the ground, and everything is still, and they're just looking at him, like, okay, what's gonna happen next? And they just get up, it was just, it was incredible, incredible moment. I mean, I, I almost stood up and started clapping. Oh, yeah. Because it no, was just Ed's, amazing. Ed's face, Ed, because Ed was standing next to John, and whenever they, whenever the zombies got up, he goes, oh, fuck! Yeah, yeah. That, <laughs> I mean, it was just amazing top to top to bottom great great episode i i was not bored the entire time i don't i don't i didn't pick up my phone the entire time so i'm kind of glad i didn't live tweet it so it was it was amazing easily the best episode of the season in my opinion probably top three top five top three best episodes of the series absolutely um Next week, we've got all kinds of cool things going down. we got Jamie and, and Dorn, and he's going to be either, – either he's going to accept Doran's offer to join him or he's going to die, apparently. Uh, we've got um, Danny and Daznax Pit, and that's where the big excitement is probably going to come from, I'm hoping for. Is that really going to be exciting? Because I'm not really excited about it. I'm – listen, I'm not – have I ever steered you wrong? No, get you can Get your camera phone. Record your reaction. That's all I'm saying. Okay. All right. So, listen, guys. Thanks a lot for listening to us tonight. Take the black. We're we're glad you joined us. We're glad that you listened to us through this whole long hour of us talking about our favorite topic, Game of Thrones. You can find me on Twitter at house underscore razor. You can find ISIS on Twitter at i j a m e l t o n. Please make sure if you tweet us, uh, hashtag uh, take the black. And uh, and if you do record your reaction shots, send them to us. That would be amazing. And you can find Luke on Twitter. At Turner Luke. At Turner Luke. He's almost verified. Thanks for listening, and we will talk to you next week. Love you. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.